So, Brandon, we are still on quarantine, lockdown, don't move, don't fly, don't do any of that. So we're doing yet another Zoom podcast where we get to look at each other, but unfortunately we can't be in the same room and really have the good banter going because... No, but here's the, here's the beauty part of this, and yeah, I can just do this. Hold on. Oh, watch. He's going he's gonna to turn off my... Uh, so I can't see him or he can't see me. That's not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll screw it up if I keep trying that. Yeah, so. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I can just to shut it off where I have to talk to look at anybody. But. <laughs> I think it's a stop video function. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but, <sighs> man, I'm getting so excited. It is. I mean, the advantage for us right now is Alaskans, at least here in the Anchorage Bowl, is that this is hitting at that time of year where – I mean, some guys are out snow machining, but for the most part, it's like it's the end of. I mean, the ice fishing in my mind is pretty much done. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got a little bit of time, but I mean, yeah, for us, for the bigger part of it, is you're so busy with work, you right, just got exactly. back to work. It's yeah. like, yeah, 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 I mean, it's it's a lot, and but it's breakup, and essentially, I mean, it's been above freezing most of the last week ish. Mm, yeah, at least, I mean, it's been warm. Least, yeah, yeah. I, mean, it's, oh, I, I, I barbecued the other day. I'll leave it at that. Oh, <laughs> oh. Fired up the grill, burned some, burned some burgers. It was great. But nice. Yeah, I mean, I was cleaning out my garage, like I think a lot of Americans are doing right now, just you know, sitting out in the garage, hunkering down, cleaning that crap hole up that I got of a garage. Mm. And I grabbed some fishing rods, and I went, "Yeah, that'll be fun. That open water's coming. It's coming." And you know what I grabbed behind that? What's that? My fly rod. and i went dang i haven't been fly fishing in how long uh i had to think about it that's too long did you so uh, so my go-to fishing rod is a fly rod um 95 percent of what i do unless we're doing something like the ditch or (laughs) yeah the ditch peter's creek so right yeah yeah, ship creek yeah for (laughs) the ditch ship creek for the attestators listening in yeah, so unless it's something real specific, even if I go down to the Kenai or the Russian, the the spinning rod goes, I'll take my little two-piece and shove it in my backpack just, you know, for in case for some reason. I've done that before where I went down there and broke a broke a fly rod and didn't have anything else. It's like, well, that sucks. So, so yeah, I've done both. Um, I was taught by my, grand, my late grandfather. He uh, kind of turned us on to fly fishing back in the 80s and – you know, I grew up part of my life in Wyoming in the summers. I spent a lot of time there fishing. And so he always had the attitude. With growing up a part of my life in Wyoming, part of my life in Oregon, it, fly fishing didn't offer you any any benefit other than what we would usually do. This is what my grandfather always said. He says, go find the fish. Mm-hmm. And he would always say, find the fish with a little map spoon. Because if they're going to hit on anything, they'll hit on a map. So that was, that was his theory. Okay. I agree. It's sure. not a, not a hundred percent. Like just go get, figure out where the fish kind of generally are. Like, you know, so like if you're fishing a brand new river, kind of go walk it with your map spoon and then come mm-hmm. back and fly fish. So I've kind of always done that. So when I go fish a place new, I tend to grab my, my first, like my first like rod is my basic spinning rod. Just kind of okay. figure out the, how deep are the holes, kind of where the fit. I mean, obviously you can read the river and get a lot of that information, but like, mm. but there's a lot of it where I just kind of do some basic fish and then I come back and do the fly fishing. Hmm. It also forces me to have a second trip out there because I really enjoy fly fishing. Oh, bummer. <laughs> right? See, I do all that with my fly rod. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just the way I grew up, you know what I mean? So it just kind of like it's been a habit of ours, but I do enjoy yeah. fly fishing. Um, it's nothing is more exciting than to tie your fly and sit down in the wintertime, tie that fly, have a series of them, and then go out there and catch something on your fly. 
on something you made. The thing that I, there's a couple things that just, just get me going with fly fishing that I, I love a, it's the, the mind game of what you're doing. I made this fly. I made this fly. I made something that the fish is going to want to eat. Right. So, and then I use that to get them instead of, well, I bought power bait and it pulled them in from all over the lake to this one spot. And you know, it's like, see, I've rarely used, I know a lot of guys are very successful with power baits and I'm going to say this in terms of, I usually do. um, I don't, I've never really sight fished much for a salmon. Just because in the Pacific Northwest, it's generally not done. It's usually a, that looks like good bourbon. That is Even really across the video, bourbon. by the way. Mm, that um, is good bourbon. I went, I went with the old fashioned today. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, but like in the Pacific Northwest, you don't usually sight fish for the salmon either. It's a spoon. Uh, you can fly fish for them, but you don't like, like when I say like what we do on like the, the Russian and on the Montana Creek, yeah, the, the, the flip, you don't see a lot of that. So, and because you're allowed so few and there's so few of them, I usually went after them with a spoon. But when it came to trout, my favorite thing in the world to do is trout on a fly rod. Okay. Just what I grew up doing, yeah. what I could, you know, lay a fly out there so nice. It just, you know, you have to be able to fool them amongst all the other ones. And we've actually had problems where if they actually have a lot of fly fishing pressure, which you wouldn't think about that being an issue. But I've actually seen it to where they will not touch it unless it's wiggling. Yeah. I mean, like, like you lay the fly out there. It'd be matching yep. the hatch, the whole banana. So you're matching what's out there. And then it's not wiggling a little bit on the water and they won't hit yours, but it'll, I mean, it's, I usually mm-hmm. only see that in really high pressure areas. Yeah. Yep. And so that's big open flat river scenarios, right? So what you're looking at where you got or, a lot of water or even on the, or, or even on a lake. Yeah. Lake too. Hmm. Yep. Most of my fly fishing is usually done on a lake just cause. Okay. It was just, it was I, like my head. I thought like, you know, Wyoming open, yeah, open so, plains, big river. Yeah. So when I did the fishing in Wyoming, there was kind of t- three bodies of water. We fished, um, the Gates, uh, rubber company had the, owned the ranch and there was two big lakes behind us that were set up. That's where actually a lot of deals went down a lot of like, uh, you know, contract deals. So Gates would bring out his clients and mm. they'd fish and do their thing. So we always had to be sure there was fish in there. So Gotcha. You know, we forced ourselves. Uh, so there's a couple of lakes there that we had to fish and then, you know, forced ourselves. And then we had Big Creek itself that we would fish. And it's, um, you know, it was a smaller creek. It was probably the size of a little bigger than Montana. It's going to give you okay. an idea. Yeah. And so that was a, it was a nice one. You could walk it, you walk it with the cows and everything else. And uh, then we also had private access to the North Platte River. That sucks. That's so <laughs> horrible. I can't was, believe I mean, that's just a really hard thing to do right there. I mean, force yourself to have private access to a river like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, it was, it was terribly difficult. So it, it forced <laughs> and, you know, and the funny part was, is I actually had better luck in Big Creek than I ever did in the North Platte. Yeah. It just, I think it's just, and now Big Creek, we own both sides for so many miles. And when I say we owned them, I talk about the ranch owned it. And just nobody really, sure. it, was, it was one of those feeder creeks to it. So it was one of those things like we just walk up and down and just fish all day long and catch as many fish as you mm-hmm. wanted and having just a ton of fun. But I um, think I like the, I, I like those smaller creeks. Um, I'd much rather fish the Russian River than the Confluence, personally. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I like the sight fishing. I like to be able to see where these fish are running. I like to see what's pushing and interestingly enough on big creek it's it was dark enough with enough willows around and mm-hmm. it just doesn't run as clear just the river doesn't and so you couldn't actually see the fish in there in most cases <laughs> just because the rocks were dark underneath and they blended in so well but it was kind of, of 
but you can still pick out holes. You can still pick oh, out absolutely. what's going on. You get the right, like nowadays, man, you get the right, uh, you know, goggles or, you know, uh, a fit, pair of glasses. Sunglasses. Yep. With the good polarized set of glasses. And I was man, 16 can, at the time and broke. So it was exactly, just it's a lot, it's a lot different when you're looking at a river and you don't have the right equipment. It's right. so different, but you get a good set of polarized glasses. You understand where those, those holes are in those rivers and you start seeing the fish. Oh yeah. But it, them up pretty quick. it was a lot of fun. We, uh, we, we yeah. definitely had a lot of fun. It was just a blast. Cause you know, you can, you sit there with your, your, with your fly rod and unlike a spoon where you kind of flick it and it kind of arcs out there and you, you can kind of control it with a fly rod. You can get that to where you get a pop can lay it down. Yeah. Right I mean, you, specific you, spot. Right. You get, you get, I mean, you start yeah. doing it, you start getting to your pop can. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it's um, there's a lot of fun to be had with that, just laying out your line. And you know if you had a good one, you know, if you laid it out right in that line, just just, just perfect. There's lay. nothing nothing better than seeing that fly line just pay out and lay flat. Oh, that's a good feeling. So question. Even better when you do that and you do your first strip and all of a sudden that fish head hits that thing, bloop, and down goes your fly. Oh, <laughs> that one. That's a feeling that you just, you don't get very much. <laughs> so question, do you have a balanced fly reel? Balanced fly reel. Mm-hmm. I got, so my, uh, my main raw salmon reel is a, a raw CLA. Okay. It's a CLA four. So, um, I mean, not a high, high end rod. It's, you know, medium end reel. It's, I don't remember. I can't remember what those things go for. It's in the $100, $200 range. Okay, somewhere so in there for a good solid. CLA. Yeah, so solid, but it's not like the high end. Um, but it's it's bulletproof, man. That thing yeah. is just. So my dad back in the day turned us on to Fluger Metalist. That was his big thing that he really okay. liked because you could get the interchangeable, just like the real piece. So like your mm-hmm. outside case stayed the same, but you can get the the spool. Sure. So yeah, that's. So that's a lot similar of the, to the Ross. Right, a lot of the cheaper ones, particularly in that time, Fluger Metalist was kind of like the first like decent like entry level not too nice but not like total garbage like at the time in the late in the late 90s uh that we could find locally but for steelhead you needed to wait have a so you have a little pin that where you could crank right mm-hmm. on one side so you can reel it in you need to have sure. a counterweight on the other side so it was balanced so that when they took off because those those steelhead would hit with such force and i'll tell you nothing sure. else it's quite like hitting a steelhead going up the trash move well they go up like a bullet and it yep. will take off so fast. You will find out very rapidly if you had the right fly reel in there or not, because it would vibrate hmm. it out of your hand. Hmm. That's how fast they will pay out. And there's a, and there's an area where you just like you just take your your leather gloves. Leather gloves are really kind of cool because you could kind of press it against that and use it as like a hand drag. Yep. So you just it was yeah. But man, I tell you, Trask River chest waders on snow on the ground. Nothing else like it. December weather. December fishing is great. Mm, I need to get you down to an Ilchik, do some steelhead fishing. Yes. The Nilchik River. Oh, man. And so the Nilchik and I think Anchor are two big steelhead rivers they come yeah. running up in. I'm one of the rare Alaskans that will give up kings for steel. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, there, I, yeah. I, I personally really, when it comes to a the trout, you know, salmon species and things like that, I yeah. would personally do those over – um, any of the same ones. I'll do a steelhead mm-hmm. first. Kings are really close. Don't hear me wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> kings are good. Yeah, I like kings. King on a fly rod. Now that's 
that's something. I've only hooked into one once, and that ended up breaking my fly rod. <laughs> I was not expecting. We were fishing late, so it was this would have been a late run king, you know. Just right. I mean, we're fishing reds. It's I forget what time of year it was. This must have been early July. So I'm not even thinking red, you know, kings at all, right? Right, because the king, kings so, pretty much shot through when you're done. Yeah, and I hooked into something. Just he was big. <laughs> monster big old late king came in there and took off hit a hole and it's i got one little glimpse of this thing and it was just it was big nice and animal. yeah hit a hole around a around a rock and down river and my fly rod just crunched down <laughs> broke right in two <laughs> and you go and uh, i'm out 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no more than that yeah well i'm trying fortunately to Fortunately, that is a uh, – I was shooting with a, a TFO okay. that day. So, Temple Forks Outfitter. Those guys have lifetime warranty on their rods. So, spend 50 bucks in shipping, send that thing back in, get a brand-new rod. Lamaglass used to have that, and they were actually up on Woodland, Washington, which was about – I almost bought a house just north of Woodland before we bought our last house. And Woodland's about was about 20 minutes up the road from my old job, and Lamaglass used to have that. But <laughs> they got rid of that yep. policy here probably three years ago now. So they so will not. TFO, TFO still does it. Orvis, mm-hmm. uh, Reddington actually has a pretty good. You know whose who's rod I bought because I broke. Uh, so last year we went fishing and I grabbed my mom's fly rod. Okay. So I mean, you know, my whole family fly fishes, and so I grabbed mom's fly rod, but I didn't want to break it, and um, or no, did, did I break it? I broke a fly rod last year. I had to replace yeah. it. Uh, one of them I broke. Okay. So, and it's, it must've been mine. Cause mine's, mine was like 20 years old. It's like, it's time anyways. Yep. I remember that. I was on, uh, I was on the Montana. Yeah. I was on the Montana. You hooked into, what'd you hook into? Did you hit a chum? Yeah. yeah. You hit a chum. And it, it busted the end. Yep. So, uh, I went out and I bought a new one and I bought a house brand Bass Pro Shops one. I think they call them They're white. And it's not a bad rod. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so far so good. So I've caught a few fish on it, but it's, um, it's doing all right. I can't complain, but I need to get, you know, you get that thing good and broke in. So Kings, do you think we can sight, sight fish some on the ditch? Get upper part of the ditch. Yeah, I think so. Wouldn't um, that be fun? Man, I think we'd piss a lot of people off if we got up there, especially if we went up with dock rods. So what you're saying is, so when I, when I, when, I, when you say fly fish, I'm thinking with the fly rods, but no, I get that. But if we went up there, I'm just saying, because we do have our bet. We do have the yeah, bet. We do have the bet. True. So um, if you go up top, get the top part of the ditch, <laughs> and you sight fish on low tide and pick off a king on the dock rod, I think, man, you're going to have the people that are like, oh, dude, look what you did. And then a lot of people are like the stupid amateurs. Both. How much you want to bet that if we go up there and we sight fish and get one on the dock rod, how much? I'll put money on it right now. I'll put a hundy on it <laughs> that we have a trooper that gets the video. Oh, no, hold. I say because I saw, so when I first moved up here, I've only been up here three and a half years. So yeah. I was first on Ship Creek and I was just kind of fishing. I never noticed where guys would get like super uptight and like videotape you, but like that whole police movement where they weren't trusting the police officer. A lot of people are starting to videotape things more. It's been happening more and more. I noticed yeah. that I've noticed that more and more and like places where it's really crowded where they're like, you're snagging or you're doing this and I'm going to videotape and send it into the troopers. Like there's a lot of that going on. Sure, but here's the thing: where are they going to send it to? There's, the, I mean, the only thing they have to to do is the, um, there's a, a poaching hotline. 
Right. I understand what you're saying. But so it's like, is- I think what you see with that more is people are like, well, I'm going to take a video of you and put it on the Facebook pages and watch out for this guy. He's snagging and that kind of stuff. So, and, yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I understand snagging is frustrating and I'm totally with them on that, but on the same token, oh, man, I agree. Uh, it's, you know, like some people weren't trained right. And some people are just douchey. And if they're douchey, they will get, they'll get what comes to them. True. I, I may have done that to a dude though. Yeah. Right. Sure. Video. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that right now. Again, you don't do it, you know, <laughs> no, 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 not that. I actually try really hard not to snag no matter what I'm doing. Right. Sure. Uh, I, I don't, unless I'm out in uh, a snagging fishery, like going well, out to a resurrection or something completely different. Um, but even then it's a really hard thing for me to do. It's just, it's not a, it's, it's unnatural. I don't like it. So even then I find myself not doing it, but uh, we're on uh Kenai. I think we're at Bing's landing down there. And here comes this gentleman. So here comes this gentleman wanders down, sets himself up and he starts doing his flip. And as he pulls that, you know, that, that, uh, that line comes down in the current, he yanks that rod and just does the whole snagging motion, like oh, perfect wow. classic over and over. And I come over, Hey, Hey, but uh, you know, that's a, it's a snagging motion. It's an illegal motion. He looks at me, he's like, and he goes, by the time the fish get here, they're not biting. So this is the only way you can catch them. I go, well, you know, the troopers would get you if you did that. He's like, I don't care. And I pulled my phone out. I said, okay. I took a few steps back. I pulled my phone out and I just stood there holding it. I didn't even like video him. Right. And he looks over at me and gets this really pissy look. He says a few choice words and packs his stuff up and off he goes. And that, you know, and when, they're, when they know they're in the wrong, it nope. seems like that's that's actually that's only half the story because I did the video like that, pretend to take the video, and then I held the phone up to my ear, acting like I was talking to a trooper. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's when he decided to bail. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Whatever. So Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting talking to the troopers and kinda you know what their take is on it. Most of the time if you're not grossly in the wrong like you're not like trying to do something wrong they usually want to educate you they really don't want to write the ticket i've noticed i mean they're, they're fair about it if that makes sense like it's not like like if you're totally like doing something you shouldn't be doing like they will not hesitate but my sure. point is, is that like for example like when i were out dip netting right and we yeah. were in the wrong yeah. they weren't out there to bust us they're just like hey it's an education point like move along and now on the other side of that i was dip netting on fish creek which is down Kanikus bay road right been out there once twice. it is a sloppy mud hole that oh god oh it's it horrible horrible we went maybe a quarter of a mile it's it, that's about it mm-hmm. it's from the road to the river it's maybe a quarter of a mile we got halfway down there we we had two small coolers so two of the i don't know 25 gallon coolers or whatever mm-hmm. like the smaller we had two of those loaded with fish our nets and me and my dad it took us an hour and a half to get back to the car because we were just like stuck in the mud. Yeah, completely. it's horrible. Like, I mean, just it was horrible. So I mean, everything we were head to toe muck, muddy, nasty. I mean, you're fishing right. on the top of the river. The the bank is just it's so deep goo, and then it is a forty five. No, it's more than that. It's like a sixty degree slope that is just glaciery silt nastiness. So we get our our stuff and we hike back to the car and uh, we start pulling fish out and we're going to do our count figure out how many fish we have and trooper walks over how many fish you got 
oh, I'm not sure we're in the 25 or 30 range. Well under, I mean, we could have gotten 60, so we were well under. We knew we were, we were fine. She's like, oh, well, what is it, 25 or 30? Like, oh, well, we, we've just counted. He's like, oh, you didn't count at the river. Hmm. And he pulls his book out and starts writing his ticket. Like, well, we haven't written it. He's like, the rules, the regulations state, once you leave the fishing grounds, you must have it recorded on your ticket. Like, well, <laughs> we're in the parking lot. The river's right there. He's like, the river is the fishing ground. You leave the river, the riverbed, right. the river bank, you've now left the fishing ground. Like, and I asked him, how am I supposed to do that when I'm covered in silt? He's like, the rules don't say how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it. Wow. Yeah. That's so one of, that's a douchey one. <laughs> that, that being said, like, yes, most troopers are not out there to be a holes, but they are out there to enforce the law. Right. So there are yeah. times in certain situations. Now that one is a little, I think a little different of when you have that many people down on the Kasilov and you say, okay, guys, back it up instead of giving 500 30. people tickets. It was like 30 of us, but yes, on all seriousness, yeah. he could versus he, he could, you know, on the ship Creek, it's a three day opener that time. And they're trying to enforce that as heavily as they can. So they don't have people abusing it. So true. True. And Valley people abuse things. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I will neither agree or disagree on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good call. Good call. But um, fly fishing, man, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think what, you know, honestly, I'd like to, uh, you know, so the quarantine here in Alaska, we're allowed mm-hmm. to get in the out. The, sure. the governor even said, yes, you're quarantined. Yes, you should stay at home as much as possible. But he did put a clause in there about how we could get outside as long as we maintained our social mm-hmm. distancing. Sure. Which I'm all for. I mean, we got, especially as Alaskans, we have to get out and hunt and fish. And well, I think that the whole social distancing hunker down thing is, is more for they don't want people out and about in the town cramming together in spaces so right exactly and, and we're all about that getting away from that that's everything we love to do is get away <sighs> from the crazy get away from the people and uh, I, that this is again why i will go up river on the russian instead of fishing the, <laughs> the confluence where you're like five foot away from some dude in this rhythmic flipping pattern and oh just i don't like it when I have to do the rhythmic flip with my partner who I've never met before and he's really not my type, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're dancing practically with this guy. Yeah. You don't know who he is. You don't know where he's I from. I have a, a buddy I used to work for. He would, uh, he'd take a cigar and he, every time he'd in that spot, he'd have a cigar. And anytime someone on either side of him started getting kind of liberal with where their fly line or with their line right. was going, he'd just grab that cigar, reach up and psh, melt that monofilament. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, the, the water's going to recede here around the lakes faster than the kings will start flowing into the ditch. So that I brings mean, up a real interesting thought. So because we start thinking in Alaska, let's face it, we think fishing, we think kings, we think reds, silvers. That's what we think, right? Right. I mean, uh, it's, they're here and they're abundant. So. And it, we are like world-renowned for them and all that crap. Right. So that's where normally where our head goes to that kind of fishing. Mm-hmm. Whereas give it a little bit here and you're going to start seeing some really hungry trout. You're going to see some really hungry pike starting to right. pop their head and, out underneath those lakes. That's what I was thinking. Cause you I mean, if we keep up with this warm weather, which we're supposed to, I suspicion we may get a snowstorm here, here or there, but it might be rain. I kinda, you know, I, I mean, kind of like, figure we have one more snow. It won't last, but I have one more. 
right. It will it'll snow. It'll be gone in three days kind of thing. So yeah. my thing is I just kind of go as these, because you have essentially from April, let's just call it April one till about the 20th of May. There's about a month, month and a half there where the salmon aren't really in the streams yet. I mean, the, the Kings haven't really come in yet. And yet you've mm-hmm. got, you know, people like me that are just dying to get out and go fishing. Yeah. And, and you're right. And the thing is, the nice thing is that, you know, they're going to be coming up wherever there's open water. They're going to be trying to, there's going to be more oxygen right there. So they're going to be mm-hmm. hanging out. So it's going to tender congregate them a little bit more now. And by the, by the time you have that ice moving away from the lake, that means the ground is thawed right there, which means you're going to have bugs. You're going to have mice. You're going to have all that stuff stuff there that they're going to feed on. So yeah. Um, I didn't like, well, and so I sent you that link to the 2020 fishing regulations. They've come out now. Yep. Yeah. So I carry them on my phone at all times just because we have mm-hmm. these smartphones and why not? But did sure. you know, there's one interesting change that happened this year that I think is probably for the good thing in South central. If you catch a pike, any size pike, you are not allowed mm-hmm. to return it to the water. It was not sure that was last year. No, no, no. It was not because it's highlighted. So it's a new rule this year. It's the, they really? did it for the entire area, hmm. which is a good thing. I mean, it really is because the pike are devastating the Matsu Valley right now. Oh, absolutely. To the point where they're getting ready to sterilize a couple lakes and re- reintroduce fish into them after, you know. Yeah, sterilize. So. Uh, yeah, my, my thing is, is, I don't know that sterilization of these lakes is actually going to work. I, well, so what they'll do, yeah, and the problem yeah, I mean, is you know they start seeing, they've done it a few times. They'll go through a lake and they'll just Kill wipe it. everything out in it and then slowly start bringing it back. And it works for a bit, but then you, and I kind of wonder if you have somebody out there who really likes pike fishing that is. So I, I've talked to guys around the local area about this whole pike fishing thing and that, that, that yeah. piece. And so there's kind of two to three theories I've heard. Number one is, is that, is that somewhere in the 50s, 60s, somebody with you didn't like or wanted to do pike fishing, so they introduced them, and now they're just traveling the trout, all the streams and everything around. That's one yep. theory. Um, sure. Not saying that one wouldn't be right or wrong. The other one is that people are just continuing to reintroduce them. I don't think that to be the case now. Um, but the other one that I heard that was really odd was is one of my speech ther- uh, pathologists, he, mm-hmm. he's like sold on the fact that these are actually from the eagles coming up and over the the range and whatnot like like they like get them in their talons and the birds and and i'm like going huh he says because apparently supposedly i haven't you know researched any of this because i'm really not that interested yeah but i guess there <laughs> is there is some form of fish where they will like they can eat the eggs and they won't digest in the system of the birds and so they poop them out okay. and so and i'm not sure if pike are one of these where they can like survive the mm. gut system and so that's what's causing yeah. the issue and, i mean I've, it, I've, i have heard of those that in other areas, I just don't know it was, if it's up here. Yeah, it was like a South American, you know, some other. Yeah, I was going to say, I th- I'm pretty sure it was rainforest that I saw that. But I kind of go, so, if that's the case, then there's nothing we can do. It's. But here's here's my here's my rebuttal against that because I have heard that before. Uh, yeah, like I said, I don't agree that it's right. I mean, I'm just I, there's a couple things that that have to go on for an egg to actually become a little fish. Mm. An eagle eating it out of a female pike's belly something got missed. Yeah. So I I tend to say, unless the eagle is sitting down there, like filter feeding right where these, these pike are spawning, which I'm not an eagle expert, but I'm pretty sure that's not how they roll. Yeah. Something got missed. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of where I'm at with it, to be honest with you. I just kind of go, yeah, but here and there, the nice thing is, is I think with a fly rod, 
a pike would be a lot of fun. I've hooked oh, it up. Oh man. They I've, hooked are. It, I've, I've hooked into them with, with spinning reels, but I've never done one on a fly rod. Just, just, yeah. just didn't work out. But well, I mean, you hit uh, you hit some, uh, some chums on a fly rod this year or last year, right? Yeah, I did. And what's the difference between a chum on a fly rod and a chum on a normal rod? Oh, it's so much more fun. So it's so much yeah. more of a challenge. So you, I mean, you take a fish thing. that, yeah. I mean, on a normal spinner on a chum, they kind of just, you're basically just pulling them towards you. Cause you know, yeah. Your hand they just kind of lay there, yeah. Versus <laughs> with a fly rod, you kind of have to, you know, you get to play with them a little bit, just because you know, a little more to it, a little more finesse. Uh, let's be honest about it. we are a little bit borderline kids. We like to play with our food. True. <laughs> you think of a, a pike that fights, right? Exactly. Moving that thing is a lot of fun on a fly rod. So, I think a yeah, lot of those. I'm pike, a, I think some bass. I mean, I've, I've thought about this, and I thought I'm. I'm not. I always wondered why they had the bass lures. Like at Bass Pro Shops, like up here in Alaska, sure. why would you have? I mean, why would you have bass lures? It doesn't really make a hundred percent sense because we don't have bass up here, at least not to my mm-hmm. knowledge. Uh, it's nope. just too cold. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why would you do it? Wait a minute, Pike. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those frog-looking things. Oh yeah, um, which they'll hit after. I don't know how successful those things are. The ones that I've seen guys on fly rods doing is just big, fluffy, feathery, bright steelheads like a big steelhead fly very similar um and those things tend to the pike hammer those suckers we'll have to do so i've got a few that i've made i'll throw one up on the 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 instagrams and stuff here of what i've what i've done and uh we'll have to start making some pike flies because yeah i got a feeling i got a feeling like this year is going to be a vastly different year than what we're used to up here in alaska as far as because of the quarantine and the social things that are going on i think we're going to get a lot more of the lakes and rivers to ourselves as alaskans so i think Man, i hope so i mean i do but i don't i have mixed emotions on it oh, yeah yeah the economical right exactly people are, of it yes that's going to be an issue but here's the thing that will bounce back it's alaska give it if even if like you don't see any cruise ships coming up here purely because people are scared of the virus give it another year and people are like oh the virus is whatever and i'm going to alaska because i didn't go to school last year right so they got the vaccine right it it will but it will bounce back so i figure we're excited about this year i figure we got a year i'm excited about this (laughs) yeah a year two because yeah give it about that about that amount of time and you're going to be seeing a lot of people and everyone coming up from there their dream vacation they didn't take two years ago and right well i was saying quite frankly we get uh two years to ourselves and that's gonna be you know it'll be a lot of fun i'm golden with it i'm good and i'm gonna help the economy every way i can by uh, going out buying fishing gas and mm. fly tying equipment and yeah yeah all that good junk all that stuff so interestingly enough um cabela sent me an email saying they've closed their store here in anchorage like close close or to the public to the due to the coronavirus like it's like closed for the moment yeah and you you know yeah but uh there's a lot of stores that are doing uh the online stuff yeah i don't know so if, you, if you might be able to order it and you can order it online go there and they'll like have yeah. it'll come out to the little waiting area that you pick it up there i, don't know. I think they close closed it but it, it's one of those because they said still shop with us online and we can ship it to you so hmm. I suspicion they may have like, closed, closed it. But, you know, as I say, you know where I get most of my fly tying stuff at? I'm going to give a secret away. Where's you that? You ready for my secret? I'm ready for your secret. You can buy a lot of things at Michael's. Yes and no. 
So if you need things like underneath, like if you need to like float, like like if you're doing something that floats on top and you're doing like a woolly buggers or something, you know, something, not woolly buggers, but you're doing something that needs a little bit of float, you can use that foam and you get like one sheet of it. You just have to have the color that kind of matches what you're doing. And if it sits underneath yeah. everything else, you're fine. And the other so, thing, if you're, if you're fly fishing with a bead, you buy a box of beads there and your beads will last you forever because you'll have every color under the sun for like five bucks you know what i mean like it will be a so i mean you get like this big bag of beads for like five bucks and it's like a lifetime supply i will agree with you that you can get a lot of beads there <laughs> i will disagree with you in the fact that a none of those beads actually look like something a fish is going to eat none of them really look like a salmon egg well true a b they're crafting stuff there as far as their foam and everything goes is they do they nor i've really rarely found the colors that i need they do a lot of bright colors a lot of those things i'm like man if i'm trying to do beetles and i'm trying to do stuff that looks like that they just don't have the colors for it um, right i would say but i use it more like underneath things so like you know, like so for example like it's it's like the base of the fly like it's like i need a little piece just to kind of get it to float so everything else goes on around it so you actually don't ever see the foam it's just inside to help it float mm-hmm. and give it a little body i i, I use feathers because mm-hmm. the feathers are going to do the exact same thing if you get the right feathers they're going to float um Especially if you coat them with the, you can get a, a, a water dry resistant fly. coat, dry yeah. fly coat. Just give a quick spray on that sucker, and it'll float right on top like nobody's business. Um, and then it's because the problem with the foam like that is if you're doing foam underneath and then you're doing something on top of, it's gonna get super bulky for mm. a dry fly. It's not gonna look like something that a fish is gonna want to hammer. The other thing is I have used them with uh, when I'm so fly fishing for certain things. Sometimes if you have like, say I've done this before where I've had buddies come along fly fishing and we don't have an extra fly rod. So Mm -hmm. they have a fly at the end and I have used them, uh, you know, like uh, underneath where I wanted to put the weight on the bottom and then have it float up. Sure. Fly sits up there and floats up. I've done that as well Mm to limited success um, for various reasons. (laughs) Might've been some alcohol involved in that, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) this is a good idea. This will hammer them. Yeah, well, we were all hammered. You know, I was. I Redneck would, is showing there. Hey, no shit. <laughs> so I was on the Umpqua River. Uh, okay. This Umpqua comes kind of south of Eugene. So if you look at the map, like if you picture Oregon in your head, if you go like two thirds of the way down the state, the very tail end of the Willamette Valley, the Umpqua mm-hmm. River's down in there. Super nice, beautiful area. And we were out there fishing. Now, there is small bass on the river. And so our deal was when we were fly fishing, it got to the point where we were so tired of catching the little ones. Like you could see the big ones in the bottom that you were literally trying to get the fly past the little ones mm. and get it to the big ones down below. Like that was yep. our whole game. It was so much fun. Yeah. Those were good it, days. Those are good <laughs> days. I'll tell you, we, we, we had so much fun. I mean, I don't think we catch mm-hmm. Do we keep even keep a single fish that day? I don't think uh, we caught a single fish. I mean, well, we caught, I don't know how many, but we didn't keep any. And it was just, it was so much fun. But it was also so frustrating because you were trying to get like, I want to get one of the big ones. Like, that's the goal now. Like, I've caught 500 yep. little ones. Like, let's, you know, and I'm catching the same 12 fish. Like, I know this. Right? I think I get tagged it and see how many times <laughs> I can. I see the hook marks in its, in its uh, jaw. <laughs> Come on, yeah. man. Smarten up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm not a huge fan of Michaels for the reason that, like they're they're crafting stuff is yes it's cheap yes there's a lot of it in there but it's very very limited and it's for a very specific thing and i can't make the flies that i want to make well enough okay with what they have there there so yeah i mean i've done that when i first started out fly tying 
I good. I had a whole thing of Michael stuff. I probably still have some of it back in one of these boxes. That well, and, 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 and that's a good point too. It's also really good for learning because when mm, you're learning yeah. on on some feathers that cost you twenty dollars for this little itty bitty you know sandwich bag full of it, you know what I mean? Like, good lord! I mean, you don't want to mess that up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Now, when you're yep. good enough, but when you're good enough, it's not a yeah. big deal because that's probably going to last you for hundreds of flies, you know, that yeah. I'll actually catch fish versus when you're starting out, you yep. can tie 300 flies and one will catch fish mm. Yep, because it takes a certain amount of, there's a technique to it. There's a, you know, there's a, it's sure. like learning, it's, it's a new skill. You're learning a new skill. Sure. And it took me a while to, man, some of the first ones I was looking back through an old computer, just cleaning up stuff. That's where I found all those uh, bear baiting pictures for you. Mm. And I, I found some, uh, I found some old flies that I tied in there. I'm like, oh, jeez, that's rough. <laughs> you know, the funny part is, I have been out fishing with both professionally done flies and homemade stuff, and some of them I will agree are. You kind of go, how in the French do I even put mm-hmm. that on a put that on the end of my fly line, much less yeah. catch anything with it? And yeah, I have. So, it, you know, it, it's just fun. I enjoy it. It's like anything else when you're out in the outdoors enjoying God's country, it's just so much fun. But I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to the just getting my feet wet, walking around, and getting a line out there, getting a line wet, which mm-hmm. reminds me, I need to go stretch my fly line. Yeah. It's one of those things. I do it every spring just because I do it every spring. But yep. it's, t- it's that time. Get that thing out. Yep. But, yeah, I need to start make, to getting some uh, some flies tied because uh, – I need to do some – I'm going to research a little more on some specific flies for certain fish. Sure. What works best for certain things. Um, because, man, like we were up on Montana last year, and we were, we were throwing a lot of stuff at them. Pinks I mean, and we were throwing we were throwing Russian River flies. We were throwing, I mean, just a whole bunch of stuff. And all of a sudden, we started noticing that the, the deep royal purple they were chasing – Pink's a little bit, but not near as good as the purple. No, that that royal purple, oh, yeah, especially that, was... that the the rabbit zonkers with a little bit of the black at the tips. Man, they would take that and chase it. There's something about it just drove them nuts. It. So I had a a, a good uh, a, a cousin-in-law of mine. So my cousin's husband. Um, man, he's a fisherman. He is good at fishing. He's just that guy, right? And uh, he was telling me for pinks. Um, one of the big food sources that they feed on in the ocean is squid. Hmm. So squid have a purpley look to them. True. Right. So it's naturally ingrained in their head that that look equals food. So you're triggering the predatory instinct in there when you're throwing flashing that purple in front of them and they just come chasing after it. Mm. Right. So that makes me thinking of like, okay, what is it that, you know, when you're talking about kings on a fly, what are we going to throw out in front of them that is going to trigger that predatory instinct? We're talking about reds. People, all these people say, oh, salmon, once they get up to the top of the, the river like that, they, they're done eating. They're, they're done. <clears throat> well, you know, they, they are, but they aren't. I mean, once they, try, once they flip over and they're getting to their spawning phase, then yes, absolutely. But up until they flip, like they're truly yeah. honestly flipped to spawn phase. They're, they're still, still a natural. Well, because you think about okay, it. But we think about this way. Okay. So, and this is, this is my argument to the whole, they don't eat thing. Okay. So 
I'm going to use the Pacific Northwest because that's what I know the best. But you take a fish sure. that, that I catch at buoy tent, okay? Mm-hmm. And if that thing is snake river, upper snake river bound, so they call them, they call them herbs or URBs, upper river bound, okay? Sure. So what they do is they will go buoy tent, and buoy tent is like right outside the mouth of uh, the Columbia. Sure. And so they'll shoot up the Columbia, and you got to think it goes, if you follow the Oregon or south, southwest Washington, it goes all the way across, back down to Portland, then it goes, shoots up the Columbia River, and then you shoot up all those fish ladders, and then they go out to the Snake River, which makes the eastern border of Oregon. And driving from Portland to Boise is a day's drive, I mean, on the highway. But, I mean, this is like just, I mean, hundreds of miles that they're going up. They sure. still eat during while they're in there doing their thing because they can't make that trip that fast. Like it takes, it takes them several months to make that trip. I admit it is kind of funny to watch you sneeze without no sound, <laughs> no sound effect. It's kind of <laughs> hilarious because you're like going, oh, wait a minute, wait for it, wait for uh, it. I know it's you know. coming, but uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, but, but they're not feeding like they do in the, the sea. Correct. I, I won't disagree with that, but my point so, is they still are eating. They're still, they're still going to be opportunistic. I don't think they're, they're as driven to that's, eat. That's a better way to put it. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're not They're not triggered up so if you just throw a food source in there which they're is not going to go let's say let's say you're you're fishing for reds and you chuck out there a little piece of herring it looks like a little fish right right they're probably not going to go chase that thing down and hit it but if it comes right across their nose within a foot or two, they'll probably go look at it you know what i mean like, possibly yeah there's there's some distance in there in front of their but nose but that's not triggering a predatory instinct. We mm-hmm. were watching ch- pinks that have gone all up to Montana, which is a ways up. That's These true. guys were spawning where we were where we were doing that, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. Like, it wasn't that much further up were, that, they, that they spawned. Oh, and, and I watched them spawning there like a week later. So there were fish in that area spawning. Okay. So, I mean – they're already up there, and we watched them chase these things. And these things weren't like just bumping in front of their nose. I mean, these—I mean, right. they were chasing these things that they were seeing, you know, two or three feet in front of them. But on the same token, that that hole that we fished, right? It had—I mean, I don't—I'm not exaggerating when I say that that probably thirty-yard section of river that's thirty yards long, probably fifteen sure. feet wide. It probably held two hundred and fifty fish. Or 300 fish pretty easily. Oh, easy. there's a lot there's a ton of, of fish in there. Yeah, and these guys but, were, they were chasing these things down. And it's, not, it's like, not like, it's not like you're getting all of them to chase. Uh, the percentage, it's like 1% are chasing. You see what I'm saying? But, yeah, but as you throw this thing in and it goes in front of them and you would see a fish follow this thing for two or three feet. That's yeah. not, that is not like opportunistic. That's not this thing just happened to go right by where I could grab it real quick. This is the, it was far enough away that they couldn't grab it real quick and they would follow it down the away from the right. Away from, right. So that is a predatory response versus just grab it as it floats by. Yeah. Right. So right. what is it with each specific fish that we could possibly throw in front of them that trigger triggers that? Uh, now, if we could figure that out for Kings, exactly. I think, I think it would help because let's be honest, take the ditch, for example. Now it's a silty, mm-hmm. nasty river. Yep. Especially down the bottom side. And the downside that I see with that river is that there is so many people chucking so much, for lack of a better term, garbage in the river there. I mean, there's spoons. There's, I mean, you got, you guys, guys, we got flash, you've got bait, you got herring, you've got eggs, you've got all that in that river. I can't believe that if I chucked, I mean, if, if you've got 12 guys all fishing with eggs and I chuck out mm-hmm. eggs, 
I almost practice it to land it right in front of their nose. I have to bump into it before I'm going to get a bite. Because eggs is triggering their um, – basically when they're hitting those eggs, it's a preservation of their own eggs thing. Right. They're going to eat the eggs of another fish because that is how I right. – my fish succeed. Right. My eggs. So – I forget they call that. There's a there's a term for that, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, but but my point is is that if if you're the only guy out there fishing with eggs, mm-hmm. the scent will probably tend to attract them to a certain degree. I would think a little bit. Sure. But if 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 you have twelve guys on this little river doing that same thing, now it's where it's all over the place. My point yeah. is, is your scent's almost lost. I kind of even feel like even if it was just you on there, it's not like your scent is going to pull them from way off the other no, part no, of the no, river. Agreed. I agreed. It still has to be right in front of them and they go, Ooh, okay. And they hit it. Right. right? That is, that but is more of the true opportunistic than it is the predatory response. But if we could figure out something on that river, because I mean, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, we will end up fishing the ditch for Kings this year. That's just, I mean, yeah. I mean, I love. I mean, you know, I sure there's there's some other stuff, but where we can really get out. I mean, a tail race, but if we can figure out whatever that is, so that we can just like continually hook up, that'd be really nice. Yeah, and I think there's it, there could be something to just that figuring that out, and so it, it would take studying what these fish have grown up eating. When you talk about a, a king out in the ocean for three to five years, what has that fish been eating for three to five years that right. makes them trigger that response see if i can't eat what are you pulling up you're you're studying something i'm studying yes uh, chinook or king salmon feeding habits sure eat fry and smolts primarily on plankton but i'll eat, eat terrestrial and aquatic insects uh however after heading to the ocean their diets changes yeah well i knew that <laughs> <laughs> Captain Obvious Google. <laughs> well, this is from uh, Bass Fishing Gurus. <laughs> uh, uh, what? This can't be. What? According to the quick, so I'm I'm on Bass Fishing Gurus, your online angling reference and resource guide, and they've got some stuff. Obviously, they do they do bass, they do trout, they do salmon, blah blah blah. But they say, according to these guys, New Zealand is the largest exporter of king salmon. Really. I can see that. I mean, think about where the king salmon runs go. They come out of here and they go down by uh, through Japan, <laughs> through Japan, China, mm-hmm. um, down in that area, which runs right by New Zealand. So, yeah, yeah. I'm looking I, through one of my uh, my my fly tying books here, trying to see what they got for. They um, tend to eat other fish bohos. species. It says mature what? adults feed primarily on other fish species, avoiding smaller foods such as insects and small fish. So essentially, you need a fish. Smolts, young adults consume large amounts of zooplankton, herring, colchard, and sand lance, and other fishes, squid, and mm-hmm. crustaceans. I'll bet you squid would probably work really well. So we might have to try some really good purple because I had squid out there when we were um, yeah. just – just floating it on the ditch, but I don't think we were in a, just a good day for it. I think it was yeah. just. By the way, so you nobody know was catching anything. Yeah, nobody caught anything. So you remember how we were talking about that whole, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> that app that we have that says, you know, when the fishing's good and whatnot. Oh, the lunar poles? Yeah. Yeah. So we went out and we were fishing uh, with um, on the charter, right? Sure. That day was one of the worst days to be out. And yet we hooked up and landed the entire boat. Okay. Yeah. But, but you're also yeah. talking about. 
but it's just kind of interesting. Where the fish are. Okay, so I'm wondering if there's also something to be said for when we're doing this. We're in a very, very small area. Like we've been, this has all been ice fishing for us. We've experimented with this right, ice fishing. Right? Oh yeah. <clears throat> so if you're able to find where these fish are hanging out, it's a totally different deal. Right? Well, I think there's part of it's where they're you know, where they're at and things like that. But I think also just quantity. So he knew obviously in the area, and you're gonna have a fish again. If you have three thousand fish down there and one or two are interested, guess what? You start limiting the boat really fast, and everybody's mm-hmm. really happy. Right. Uh, but overall, they're not feeding. I mean, just because I don't like to feed at 3 a.m. doesn't mean that other dudes aren't up eating at 3 a.m. Truth. So. I'm trying to look through, like, coho-style flies here, and I'm just not seeing much for – there's a there's not a lot of coho flies in this book. Interesting. Yeah, I mean – Interesting it is. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of other stuff, but – Oh, but you think about it, you know, Brandon, in all seriousness, how many guys – so most of these books, if I'm going to write a book, right. Mm-hmm. And unless I'm specifically trying to sell to the Alaskan guy, right. Yeah. How many of these books are written for the lower 48 where trout and bass are so true. I mean, which I love Alaskan fishing, but I can find books all day long on how to fish Oregon, Washington, California, Nevada. You know what I mean? Yeah. Alaska is a little bit harder because I mean, if you yep. talk about like, like, so here's the thing. So like Washington, they have 3.4 million people or something stupid like that. They got a ton of people down there. Right. And if I have, mm-hmm. you take the percentage of folks that fish and I can sell you all a book on how to fish. Guess what? I've made a ton of money mm. versus Alaskans. There's only 750,000 of us. Yes. You still have those people that influx in and whatnot, but it's not like it's a huge market. Sure. All right. So check this out. So here's what I found. So this is the advantage to having Zoom meetings while we're in quarantine. <laughs> right. Because I can just throw this right up on a screen. I can throw what I found on my computer and throw it up there. So right. you're looking at, you know, a beadhead style. Right. Uh-huh. With a whole bunch of these feathers that come out. Looks you know what that does? It looks squiddy. Well, you know what this does when you put it in the water? This all sleeks down. It looks like a little fish. That's true. So, or this little dude right here. Yeah. That little right. that's a it looks like a popper. It looks like a bass popper. Mm, that's similar. That, Check this the, one out. Uh it's kinda hard with uh, our mugs right over the head. You can move our mugs. Can I? <laughs> Just try it. Oh <laughs> learning how to use technology. technology. <laughs> like this pink so, one right here. That mm-hmm. one I think would yep. work really well. Uh and then like that? Yeah. But I'm also looking here, and I'm going like these purple ones with like a silver body right there. Check this out. Oh, that is really weird. It's got like a black head, purple, yellow. That's a you know what that head is. That head's a fish. That's a fish head. That so you can buy little uh, things that look like fish head. So Mm. what they've done is they're making these look like bright little colored fish. Hmm. How much fun would that be to hook into a king of that? Just a monster. So we should. So do we have so, to have a? Uh, so we have the short rod challenge. Yeah. Do we need to think about a fly rod challenge this year? I mean, we have enough challenges, but why not? I mean, like, 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 because we know we're going to go out fishing, you know, or do we just say we're just going to go have fun today? Um. Put it this way: wherever I go, my dock rod will probably go with me. <laughs> just because well, it's, it's super just, easy. Yeah, it's super. It's going to be in the truck. A, it'll just sit in the truck. B, it can go in my backpack wherever I'm fishing real quick. True, yeah. 
So I can just, I can have that thing with me and that's going to be my, my secondary. Well, poo, I broke my fly rod. I need something back up. It'll get me through the day. Right. Yep. So, but no, I think, uh, I think I'm gonna do some, some uh, pike fly tying. I think that's the big one for me next. That's I'll tell you, I love the way pike tastes too. Like they're just so good when you, you fry them up Mm -hmm. a little bit of butter. Oh yeah. All you need is a little bit of salt, just a hint of salt. It's like just like a pinch of salt. Uh Uh-huh bunch of pepper because i like pepper and a little bit of butter and oh pan fry it and a cast iron oh yeah my mouth i need to go eat something now man i'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so tied getting some of these things tied i think that's yeah. like right now is the time for it so I mean, you're, you're quarantined in your home so you might as well mm-hmm. I mean, you know so i mean if i could work from home i get 30 minutes on either side that i don't have to try and drive in That'd be, I mean, right. an hour a day, may be great. But unfortunately, I stopped driving to work every day. So, so what you need to do? How much time would you stay on average? Do you spend sitting on hold on the phone? Depends the on the. Day? So here's the thing: it depends. And right now, not a lot because of because of the COVID thing. Uh, being a discharge planner, there's just not a lot Nobody's of follow up anywhere. Nobody's going anywhere. There's a lot of follow up appointments just aren't happening. It's really only do you really have to have it kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And and these these clinics actually have been it's really interesting. So before this COVID nineteen thing, I could sit on hold for ages. Now I call in and I'm on I'm on I'm on with somebody in under a minute and a half. Okay, so I guess then how much time do you have where you're not you have nothing to do? Like if now your time is you don't you're not spent sitting on the phone. Has it decreased the amount of stuff you really are doing? I guess the question really comes down to, could you put yourself a little fly tying package together Normally, and like pull I, it out of your desk and be like, I'm, I'm working on the phone. Yeah, I could in theory normally, but right now um, there's a lot of, because our census is down um, and that's kind of, you know, the number of patients that we call the census for those that aren't in the sure. medical community. And so because that's down, of course they're going, did you get all your education done? Did you do all your your other things that you're supposed to do, all those little details that we kind of go, hey, it's not as important today. We'll get to that. <laughs> those are the things that you're picking up. So there's been those yeah. kinds of things. And, you know, right now too is part of my job also is to work with the staff and kind of let them know that, hey, you start seeing these things, let me know ahead of time so that I can set things up. And so maybe we'll get a lot more education with staff, which has been cool because there's a few staff members that we talk sheep hunting and then we talk moose hunting and it takes a long time, you know, because mm. I really have to work up their trust. And sure. You know, show my value. Spots essentially. Spots. Did I? (laughs) Did I ever tell you about the time that we uh, cardioverted a guy in the ER? Yes, you did. Okay, I told him about this. He said to me, "So I guess I've kind of let the thing out of the bag." But I told him, (laughs) I said, "I really need some good sheep spots. I'm never going to tell you sheep spots. I'll tell you all the moose spots you want, kind of thing." And we were going back and forth, and we sedated this guy. Shocked him. Everything worked out really well. But while it was sedated, his wife was sitting there, and she told me, "Ask him. Just I want to see what he does." Yep. And so I asked him like a couple of kind of probing questions and he goes, you're trying to get the sheep spots no. <laughs> <laughs> while he's under sedation. Well, like he was in this kind of twilight conscious, we call yep. it conscious sedation. So you're still like awake to where you can still talk and, but you don't remember anything. And we're yep. both like, his wife's like, man, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Nice. But yeah, it was, it was, it was Way all to good. Try thing. and drug people to get sheep spots. Well done. <laughs> whatever it takes brother whatever it takes <laughs> i'm in what you call the distribution business <laughs> that's really uh, what rn refreshments and narcotics <laughs> <laughs> it's so true yeah but a little fly tying box i think once all this COVID thing blows over yeah it could be worked out 
my other question is, is when we talk about like fly tying boxes and things like that. Sure. Like we will have what I would call a mountain of fly tying stuff in terms of like, it's a box of stuff for the most part. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. You get my point. What would it be? Who a, a three, three tub, three drawer tub system. there full of it. <laughs> right. But if you were like, say for example, what, what would the value in being we're out like, I don't know, moose hunting somewhere and having something small that, you know, you could tie like 12 different kinds of flies, oh, yeah. but like very specific and just go up there and like in the evenings while we're all sitting around drinking beer or whiskey or bourbon or all the above. Whatever you happen to be drinking at the time. Right. And so we're consuming some alcohol around and we're waiting for, you know, shooting hours. Guess what? You can tie some flies. A lot of fun. Well, I, the other thing, well, I mean, that is one thing, but I can think of a lot of other things fun to do at Moose Camp and especially if you're not using them. But if you're going on a fishing trip and you don't want to bring, you know, everything in your mother. Right. True. As far as flies, why don't you have a little tying kit that you're like, man, they're just not hitting on these. Or I just, you know, lost three of my pink Favorite. flies. Right. You know, like the, when we were up there on Montana and we all of a sudden burned through all the pink ones because one ended up in the back of a chum, one ended up up in a tree, who knows where. And, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it'll take us, especially with that UV resin, man, you can have that thing hardened up and dried a good head dried and quick. Yeah. You know, so that I mean, UV you could, resin is really a game changer as far as like your pack and being able to have it like on the, on the side of the bank if you wanted to. Sure thing. And you can pound out three or four quick flies and be back to whatever you're doing. Or, man, they're just not hitting on any of these things. Let me try something else. Instead of having every single fly you've had, you can see what other stuff is going on, what other what hatches out there, whatever's going on, and tailor it a little more, you know, at that at night. So, yeah. It's a lot of fun, but I, mm-hmm. I enjoy, I enjoy fly fishing. It's getting towards that time. I mean, I know there's a lot of things I enjoy about Alaska, but it really is the probably the worst part of the year for me because it's, it's warm enough to where I can walk outside. I can burn some burgers on the grill. Uh, yep. the, the propane's flowing real good now. And like my deck is completely bare. Cause my way my house sits, the, the, the deck is one of the first things where there's no snow on it and it's dry. So yep. I can walk out in my socks and like burn the burgers like in the middle of summer I would do. Yeah. And so it's like, ah, oh, it started, you started to get all those summery kind of things going on. And oh yeah. You start driving down the roads and you see, you know, the, this, the side of the bank is all clear snow and you see grass and right. It's not growing, but it's still, you see grass out there. Grass, right. Oh yeah. man. Well, it's getting warm yeah. enough that, that you're kind of like, you know, I can roll down the window, mm-hmm. have my arm out the window and just like, it started to do all those summery kind of things. You're going, ooh, ooh. I know we're getting there quick. Yeah. I'm really hoping it's a it's gonna be an early one. So, well last year, um by this time we were further along. Last year was a really early true. one. True. We had a late you know, I suspicion that, you know, come the fifteenth of uh, April, we'll yep. be snow free here in Anchorage, no problem. That's kinda of what I'm hoping. So I, I gotta convince Stu to shave his beard. So Stuart, he's one of our pastors at our church. Last year he shaved his beard really early. Mm. So he, he has a big old beard all winter long from hunting season. As soon as he takes off from hunting till spring, he grows his beard, and which his, his wife hates his wife hates. That's why in the summertime he shaves it because his wife just does right. not like the beard. So summertime, that's kind of their thing. So last year he shaved it like, Oh goodness. It must've been, it was early, early March. 
and yeah. everyone was like, what are you towing, dude? It's not summertime. He's like, well, this is, this is going to bring in spring. This is going to make it a, you know, an early spring. Right. It was his thing. And everyone kind of shook yeah, their well, head and <laughs> lo and behold, we had an early spring. So we may have to hold Stu down and shave his beard off, which, you know, as a bearded man myself, that's a hard thing to say, but I'll sacrifice Stu's beard for summer. And it's not like it's not going to get sacrificed anyways. True. It's coming Just off. So, really it's, soon it's, anyway, it, so. Whether yeah. it comes off next week or tomorrow, either way it's coming off, right? Exactly. So I don't well, feel and, that bad. Well, and here's the thing, what you can do, and then you might be able to talk Stu into this and say, look, Stu, tell your wife that she'll take it off a week early or two weeks early, but you'll, uh, but like trade for some like extra fishing days in there. Oh, there you go. So, so you kind of got to get, got to get that Smart. trade. Get, get to get a little, uh, something out of it. So yeah. Not bad. Uh, yeah. God knows the wife. Will, I mean, are you getting any honeydews list done with this COVID thing? Um, yeah, we've been, uh, we got the TV room all cleaned out today and nice moved, uh, Quincy's office stuff in there. So she has her own little spot now and we're, yeah. So we've, uh, our big thing this weekend is we went through our office space that we have upstairs. We have a, mm-hmm. it's not technically a bedroom, but it's like a really small bedroom. There's no closet. So it's not a bedroom. That's the technical way you get it. It's an office. It's an office. And so Heather set up her laptop and got everything ready to go. Cause she's going to be able to work remote starting uh, this next week. And nice. so she goes from a windowless fluorescent lighted, just, it used to be the broom closet literally there for, yep. at, the, at the hospital. And yeah. now she has a window and, you know, she has her own bathroom, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> all those little things that you, that you kind of miss. And so, It'll be yep. good. so nice. but, yeah, I'm getting excited. There's lots of things we can do and I'm just, oh man, I'm telling you by the time this quarantine thing's done, I'm ready for fishing. We're going to be so ready for fishing. It's going to be that time. It's going to be quarantine thing pops up. It kind of expires there. You're going to start seeing water opening up around those lakes. And, oh, man, it's, it's game on. Well, and the worst part is, so like Loberg Lake, right? That sure. little lake? Yep. We know there's some lunkers in there. Oh, we do. And I know some people have pulled some lunkers out of there. I'm, I'm more excited about the pike. Well, right, but my point is, is we know where there's fish. Oh, yeah. And my yeah. point is, is it's the worst part is, is we know they're there. So now we have to go catch them. Mm. Or at least <laughs> spend try. some hours trying. trying. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I like Loberg in the wintertime for ice mm. fishing because you right. can get your tent up. You can kind of – Loberg in the summertime is a little different deal. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I've never been there in the summer. Yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty weedy bank. There's yeah. not really good sandy banks, so you kind of have to fight through the trees to get into the river. Second of all, it's surrounded by a construction gravel pit. Right. So it's just it's not the like scenic get away from stuff. Type I wonder deal. if we shouldn't look at uh, is it figure eight or memory? We were on memory lake. We're on memory. Yep. Yeah. I wonder if we should because that access it looks like it's really close, and we could probably take that little zodiac like boat. Oh, I don't know what we want to run that because yep. five little five horses should be perfect for that. Yeah, we can get on memory. Uh, that's one thing that I do want to do on memory this year is that is get out there with your Zodiac on memory. Yeah. Um, just there's a couple around. other really good pike lakes that are out there that you can just hike into the, through the woods and throw some wine out there. And yeah. So early on, it's going to be a lot of hiking just cause we got to get around the outside edges of things. And a lot of yep. those Matsu lakes have so many houses that will limit us a little bit. Yeah. You gotta be careful with it, but there's still quite a bit out there you can get to. Oh yeah. So yeah. Give us a, give us here just a little bit of time, boy. It'll be on a couple weeks, man. I know. We'll be sitting here doing this on the side of a lake somewhere. That'd be nice. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I look out the window at the big cliff face over here and kind of go, where's my sheep? Where's my goats? Mm. Yeah. Not the there yet. Will, yeah. The wildlife will come back. They'll go back to yep. those little haunts and it's good times, but fly. You know, if you set up outside your window there with the right rifle, <laughs> Oh, I've said that you could sit on my, you could literally sit on my driveway and cause we can glass them up. And if you had the right rifle, you could in theory, take those animals from here. The problem, oh, yeah. my luck is that I'd hit one of the dumb things, right? <laughs> and it would drop right where it's at. And I have to rappel in to get to them. <laughs> so no, it's true. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a steep rock face up there. That's no, I joke. don't no problem repelling as long as I'm not a good climber. I'm not as, not as good climbing. Well, you know, I climbing, used to be rock climbing when I was, you know, high school and stuff. But well, rock climbing is really not designed for dudes like us. No, in high school I could do it, but right. in high school right. I was quite a few pounds lighter. I had a hundred pounds off this frame. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, we're not small guys either. One of us, and most of those guys that rock climb, like they're you know, hundred and sixty-five pounds, hundred sixty pounds. They're not. Well, I I do know guys who could do it, so we could recruit some people for you know a backstrap, half a backstrap. No, not even that. We'll get them some little piece of tenderloin or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, backstrap. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. So yeah, we should. We gotta get Dan back on the on the podcast because these yeah. are fun. But I enjoy hanging out with him too. So yeah, he was uh, he had some family family time tonight that he had to go take care of. So yeah, that's good too. So oh yeah, right on. All right, well uh, yeah, hit us up on uh, social media, Sourdough Outdoorsman Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, and uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, go and give us a good rating. Give us a five star rating. We can keep doing what we're doing. So all right, man. All right, man, you be good, and I will uh, catch you later. All right, till next time.